Hey, hey, AP Lit. This is Mrs. Ford. Okay, what time is it? Well, guys, it's actually 10.04 on Monday morning. I'm trying to record your episode early because um, I have a lot that I have to do today, but I think I'm going to probably end up editing it and posting it uh, this evening. So welcome back from spring break. I'm sure it was um, really exciting for you guys, but I hope you, I sincerely hope you did take a break from school and maybe catch up on your Netflix. I don't know what you guys are Netflixing lately. This week, if you haven't done so yet, like if this is the first time you are hearing my voice all day, I want you to hit pause. Oh, wait, hold on. I want you to hit pause in a second. So hold on. What I want you to do is pause this episode in a second and go into Google, Google Classroom and I want you to watch the two videos that I posted. So every Monday from now until the rest of the year, I'm going to post a video into Google Classroom that gives you an overview of the week. If you haven't done that yet, pause and go do it. Now you can pause. Okay. Okay. Now you're back or everybody else is still listening. So hopefully you guys, oh, oh shoot, I got to figure out how to silence these. Hopefully you guys were able to read chapter seven. Hopefully you guys were able to take a look at Google Calendar, which I'm now using, and you can see every day what I will be discussing in Google Calendar. So let's get to it. The first thing we're going to do today is trivia. So if you're playing along with me, I would like you to take out um, a piece of paper and uh, something to write with. Um, I guess you can do it in your phone, like in notes or something, as long as you promise not to Google the answers, because that's not how you play trivia. And what I'm going to do is I have eight questions. I'm going to read through each question, give you a minute to write down your answer. And then at the end, I'm going to read the right answers. Are you guys ready? Okay, let's get started. Number one, what is the last name of the family in the TV series Family Guy? What is the last name of the family in the TV series Family Guy? I have no idea what the answer is to this. <laughs> number number two. What is the time difference between London and New York? Number two. What is the time difference between London and New York? Um, yeah, me too. Okay. My husband and my son are in the room and they're playing along without saying anything. Number three, what neurological disorder involves falling asleep involuntarily and randomly? What neurological disorder involves falling asleep involuntarily and randomly? Number five, wait, sorry, we're on number four, guys, my bad. Number four, which element has the chemical symbol Fe? Which element has the chemical symbol F-E. That's number four. Number five. In what state is Gettysburg located? In what state is Gettysburg located? Number six. What was the name of former U.S. President George W. Bush's mother? What was the name of former U.S. President George W. Bush's mother? Next one. This is number seven. Does the Statue of Liberty hold the torch in her 
left or right hand? Does the Statue of Liberty hold the torch in her left or right hand? And our last one is number eight. We haven't had a sports question yet, so here we go. What boxer nicknamed the real deal had a section of his ear bitten off by Mike Tyson in 1997? What boxer nicknamed the real deal had a section of his ear bitten off by Mike Tyson in 1997? Okay, let's go over the answers, everybody. Kai and Joe, are you ready? Yeah. Ready. Okay, what is the last name of the family in the TV series Family Guy? Griffin. That's correct. This is the only one. Okay, guys, the correct answer to um, the first one was Griffin. I didn't know that. Okay, number two. What is the time difference between London and New York? I put five hours. It's five hours. (laughs) I got it right. Five hours. What number three? What neurological disorder involves falling asleep involuntarily and randomly? Did you know that? Oh, insomnia. No, the correct answer is not insomnia. The correct answer is narcolepsy. Narcolepsy. Which chemical element has? Sorry, which element has the chemical symbol Fe? Iron. Iron. The correct answer is iron. In what state is Gettysburg located? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is the correct answer. I don't think Kai knows this next one. I think Joe does. What was the name of former U.S. President George W. Bush's mother? Barbara. Barbara. Kai got it right. Kai got it right. Barbara Bush, guys. Does the Statue of Liberty hold the torch in her left or right hand? Kai asked me this the other day and I got it wrong. It's the right hand. Yeah, she holds it in her right hand. Uh, what boxer nicknamed the real deal had a section of his ear bitten off by Mike Tyson in 1997? I know Joe knows this. Do you know this? Joe Glass? No. Joe? Evander Holyfield. Okay, guys, count up your scores, and I'm going to post to Instagram later for you to report out your scores, or you can email me or post to Classroom. But thanks for playing the trip. Let's get started. Okay, so you guys were supposed to read Chapter 7 for homework tonight. And I want to talk, I want to talk about chapter seven. So let's get started. So the first thing I want to talk about is the beginning opens up with this really important information, which is how strong of a relationship we are getting between Akemefuna and Nwoye. Now, as a reminder, if you're still confused on the names, Akemefuna is the name of the quote unquote adopted because, you know, son of Okonkwo. So he's a few years older than Nwoye, um, but he's been there for a while. Remember there was this, there was this situation between the village of Omofia and a neighboring village and um, a woman of Omofia was killed. And so as payment for her death, they said, we're either going to go to war with you or we're going to need a young woman and a young man. So they acquired a Kemifuna. So a Kemifuna goes to Okonkwo's house and he stays there for a couple of years and he develops this really strong bond with Nwoye. Now, the other information we learned about Nwoye is really important. This is Okonkwo's biological son. And Nwoye is, remember, we're going to be talking about uh, sort of 
what's the word I'm looking for? Stereotypical gender roles, in, or I should say like strict gender roles according to the Igbo people. So Nwoye, what we learn in this chapter is that he does not like to hear these really gro gross stories from Okonkwo about severing human heads. He prefers to listen to the stories of his mother, but he acts like he doesn't like the stories of his mother because he knows that that is not a masculine trait. Okay, so we learn that about Nwoye, that him and his dad kind of have this natural rift because Nwoye is not a, a masculine Igbo man. He does not value violence. He doesn't value bloodshed. What he does value are the stories of his of, that his mom and the women of his family tell. At the same time, he's he's developed a strong relationship with Nuo, with um, Akeme Funa, and and throughout the chapter, we get this idea that these guys are really close. And then after the locusts arrive, and I'm going to talk about locusts later, um, they get news. Okonkwo gets news that Akeme Funa is to be killed. Now, let's pause for a second, and I'm going to read this excerpt to you guys. Now, this is the quote from the guy who comes to see Okonkwo. His name is Agbuefi Izwedu. That's the best. I'm trying my best on the pronunciation. He says, yes, Omofia, the village, has decided to kill him. The oracle of the cave, uh, the oracle of the hills and the caves has pronounced it. They will take him outside Omofia, as is the custom, and kill him there. But I want you to have nothing to do with it. He calls you his father. Okay, so let's pause for a sec. Because the oracle has deemed it, the oracle has said, you got to kill a Kemifuna. You're probably wondering like, wait, what is the oracle again? Remember, the oracle is this spiritual power, but the, the word of the oracle is spoken through the priestess. The priestess is a woman from the village who is a normal everyday woman, but when she goes into the cave in the hills, she claims... This is the belief of the village that she is embodying the, the words of the Oracle. And she has said, you have to kill a Kemifuna. Now a lot's probably happening in your mind. Like you're questioning everything and you're saying, well, they can't, they can't possibly actually believe this is true, but this is what Achebe is trying to illustrate with, with the order to kill a Kemifuna. He's trying to illustrate that some people, not everyone as we'll get to in a second, but guys like Kemefuna and the other men that go on this journey and actually do kill, sorry, guys like Okonkwo, the guys that do kill Kemefuna, they have a devout belief in the Oracle. Okay. We would call them like, if we looked at what do we call people who believe the word of their religion to, you know, kind of to the word very literally in any religion, we might call those people very fundamentalist believers. And in this clan, there is a group of people like a or sorry, like Okonkwo, and they will abide by the word of the Oracle. Most people do abide by the word of the Oracle. And then you're going to meet people throughout the book who say, well, even though the Oracle said this, like I would actually never let that happen. Um, but in this context, Okonkwo does abide. He says, you can take a Kemefuna. And also the people who abide by the word of the Oracle really believe that if they do not follow the Oracle, they will be punished in some way. They, they really believe that. So they don't tell Akemefuna that he's going to be taken out and killed. They tell Akemefuna that he is going home. When Nuoye hears that, that Akemefuna is going home, Nuoye cries. Has anybody, you know, no surprise. He loves this, he loves this guy very much. 
Well, Okonkwo then beats Nuoye for crying. And again, it's this whole idea of masculinity. Okonkwo believes that there is no emotion to show except anger. And when you show emotion, that makes you look weak. So he beats Nuoye. Another thing that I want you guys to notice is that on the, on the hike out to the middle of nowhere where they're going to kill the Kemefuna, there is talk among the men on the journey that some men chose not to go on the journey. And that's kind of what Chinua Achebe is going to show you in these little places, is that there is going to be disagreement time to time over what action the clan should take because of how different people in the village interpret what the oracle is saying. Okay, so they tell Okonko not to have a hand in the death of Akemefuna, but he is perceived he is fearful of being perceived as weak. So when Akemefuna runs to Okonko for protection, Okonko takes his machete and strikes him down. This is a lot to handle. And again, I know you're thinking that Okonko is a terrible person. And instead of passing judgment onto, on Okonkwo, it's fine if you pass judgment on him. But the larger question is, like, why is Achebe pulling the storyline together the way that he is? And he's trying to show us a number of things. The first thing he's trying to show us is just how, how devout some of these people are in their belief in the Oracle. The other thing he's trying to show us is that Okonkwo will do anything, literally anything, to not be perceived as a weak man. He is terrified of being perceived as weak. And he, this, this, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? This motivation that always comes from hypermasculinity for Okonkwo constantly is involved in making, you know, sort of pushing Okonkwo to make these terrible choices. We're going to see this from him over and over again. But his masculinity, his hypermasculinity is a huge motivator in his life. Okay. Um, the other thing I want you guys to notice, and I'm going to read aloud from the end of the chapter here, is that they, this is the beginning of a rift between Nuoye and Okonkwo. So I'm going to flip to the end of the chapter, and I'm going to read this part, starting on page 65. As soon as his father walked in that night, Nuoye knew that Akemifuna had been killed, and something seemed to give way inside him, like the snapping of a tightened bow. He, <clears throat> he did not cry. He just hung limp. He had had the same kind of feeling not long ago during the last harvest season. Every child loved the harvest season. Those who were big enough to carry even a few yams in a tiny basket went with grown-ups to the farm. And if they could not help in digging up the yams, they could gather firewood together for roasting the ones that would be eaten there on the farm. This roasted yam soaked in red palm oil and eaten in the open farm was sweeter than any other than any meal at home. It was after such a day at the farm during the last harvest that Nuoye felt for him the first time a snapping inside of him like the one he now felt. Okay, so now he's going to have a, re a, a recollection. Nuoye is going to reflect, or the narrator, is going to take us through this memory that Nuoye has that's really important. I'm going to keep going. They were returning home with baskets of yams from a distant farm across the stream when they heard the voice of an infant crying in the thick forest. A sudden hush had fallen on the women who had been talking, and they had quickened their steps. So think about this, you guys. Everybody hears a baby crying somewhere in the woods, and the women know what's happening. And instead of going to get that baby, they hurry away from it. And you'll understand why in a second. Nuoye had heard that twins were put in earthenware pots and thrown away in the forest, but he had, yet, had never yet come across them. A vague chill had descended on him, 
and his head had seemed to swell. Like a solitary walker at night who passes an evil spirit on the, on the way. Then something had given way inside him. It descended on him again, this feeling when his father walked in that night after killing a Kamifuna. Okay, that was kind of background asking for tape. Okay, so guys, a couple things that I want to iterate after this, after this recollect, after this excerpt. One is um, that you you did hear and read that right, which is the evil people believe that twins, when a woman would give birth to twins, they believe that those twins were evil, and they would leave twins to die in what you're going to learn is called the evil forest. We're going to learn of a woman in the clan who had a bunch of twins and every set of twins was left to die. I know this is a lot to process, but they the twins were seen as evil. I want you to think about the twins that you know in your life. And you guys, Achebe, it, he, he's created a work of fiction, but this work of fiction is based off of practices that existed in this time period. One thing that I want you to remember is what, well, I'm not going to say this word for word, but Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie talks about, you can't really understand the conflict between Europe and Africa until you start with Africa. And part of what we're doing here is we're, she, Achebe is not showing you a, you, a, hold on, this is Tatum. Hey, 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 Tatum. Dad's, dad's, dad's in the shower. Yeah, go talk to him. That's fine. Sorry, guys. Okay. Anyway, Achebe is not giving us a utopia. He's he's not telling us that it's a perfect world, right? He's telling us that um, this society has real problems. I bet you can guess the problem is going to occur when the Europeans do show up. They don't take enough time to understand the problems. They only see they see what's on the surface without trying to talk and communicate. And that is obviously the, the issue. But um, so we have this devout belief in an oracle that can become very problematic. And we also have these practices that to an outsider, as you can imagine, will, will look very aggressive and violent. And they are. There's no question about it. So that's how the book ends. Oh, and then in terms of character development, we have this rift between Nuoye and Okonkwo. The last thing I want to talk about, guys, is the locusts. Now, we get this in the middle of the chapter, that the locusts arrive in the village. And um, when I say the word locusts, everybody every year would always say like, oh, like in the Bible, you know, it's one of the plagues or whatever. In our Western understanding, and even if you're not a person who has any association with the Bible at all, like let's say you've never gone to any type of worship or you know nothing about the Bible, that's fine. But in the West, we really understand locusts to be these uh, harbinger or these people that communicate evil, right? Like the end of times is when the locusts arrive. That's our perception of locusts. In the book, in these non-Western settings, and this is, again is truthful to what Achebe's own parents and grandparents lived through, the locusts, when the locusts arrived, they were joyful. And they had these ways of, you know, you have to wait till the night settles. And then I'm going to read the excerpt. Um, it says the locusts settled in the bushes for the night and their wings became wet with dew. Then all Eumophia turned out in spite of the cold harmaten, which is a wind, a cold wind. And everyone filled his bags and pots with locusts. The next morning they were roasted in clay pots and then spread in the sun until they became dry and brittle. 
And for many days, this rare food was eaten with solid palm oil. So we have this idea that these locusts, the West, we see these, we always associate these as images of death and darkness and um, end of times. But in reality, in this part of the world, they were seen as a delicacy. You waited seven years for them to come and then you uh, used them like chips and dip. That might be um, overstating it a little. Okay, those are the highlights from chapter seven. I apologize for some of the background noise, but uh, my whole family is awake and running around the house. So that's why you're hearing all this. Um, please email me questions. I'm going to post the, like something to Instagram so I can get trivia scores. And then if you're not on Instagram, make sure that you either respond in classroom or send me an email with your trivia score and don't lie to me. Okay. Cause that's not cool. Okay. That's it guys. I'm going to be back tomorrow night discussing chapter eight. So make sure you're keeping up with the reading and I hope you guys are doing well.